It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. Today, we dive into the NFL power ranking from the Locked On Podcast Network. Many of you tweeted angry, angry tweets at me when I retweeted the power rankings, wondering in what universe it makes sense for the Ravens to somehow be ranked ahead of the Cincinnati Bengals. This episode of Locked On Bengals is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. James, let's start before we get to the power rankings today with Quentin Spain's press conference. Quentin Spain is a guy who wasn't necessarily an elite player when he got to the Bengals. He had really, really good play in his history and Mm -hmm. then didn't stick with the Bills. The Bengals got him as a midseason acquisition, which we were happy with. And then he had to play left tackle. He had to play right guard. He had to play left guard. He was kind of all over the place, learning the offense. In his second year, though, he might be the best offensive line on this team so far. And, and Jonah Williams could certainly change us by the end of the year. So could any of these guys if if they start to play a little bit better. But Quentin Spain's been really consistent. And and two weeks in a row now, I've praised Quentin Spain after all 22 review. And, and one of them with a clip of him burying a guy on a running play, which he retweeted, which is cool. He, he likes to retweet the highlight clips of himself, which is, which is pretty cool. And uh, this week it was another retweet when I said, I think he might be a secret superstar of this offense. If it's, you know, Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon, Jamar Chase getting all the headlines <laughs> and Quentin Spain, the, the under heralded left guard, not getting as much attention, you know, he, he might be a secret superstar. And it sounds like he's also bringing a, a veteran aspect of leadership to, so is Riley Reef, but, you know, a couple of young players on this unit. Yeah, for sure. And that's why you keep a guy like Quentin Spain around and you go get Riley Reef, and you hope they can be difference makers. And they have been, you know, to their credit. And one thing Quentin Spain shared with us is the offensive line goes out to eat every Thursday. And it's usually a steakhouse and they book it a week in advance so the restaurant can, uh, you know, set aside enough meat for an entire NFL (laughs) offensive line which uh, I'm sure that's that's a heck of a lot when you think about how giant Quentin Spain and company are when they roll into, you know, Ruth's Chris or, you know, maybe McDonald's. I need to tell them, you know, that uh, McDonald's could be the, the place that, that could feed them. But um, yeah, the, the other thing that stood out about what Spain said, and he's great with the media. You're right. He pays attention to social media. He's not shy about that. Jackson Carmen played his best game as a Bengal against the Ravens. And had that pancake block we talked about in our film review with Bengal Sands. And it's no secret that he came into camp overweight. Well, Quentin Spain had a 
uh, a chat with Jackson Carmen during training camp. Here's Spain on that conversation. I told him like, bro, this is not college. It's a business side of thing. And at the end of the day, if you ain't getting your job done, you're going to be a part of him. So I told him like, don't block the outside and focus on you and worry about you. Like at the end of the day, it's about you. Not nobody else out in fact, like outside of football. It's about you because they see you as a football player. So if you're not doing your job, what they're going to see you, you don't be here. So I just had a one-on-one -on -one talk with him and just get his mind right. And ever since then, Jackson been coming to work and doing his job. That's, that's exactly what you want, right? And I believe it. I think that Spain, how direct he is, it might have set in. To, to Carmen and, and we've certainly seen Carmen grow since uh, since that you know time since training camp when he was with the third string to now about to start again for the Bengals on Sunday. Yeah, and he's taken steps, right? Every step of the way, starting out buried on the depth chart in training camp. After I think like rookie camp and OTAs, coaches were relatively pleased with him, relatively pleased with Jackson Carmen, really, really excited for Hakeem Adenergy who didn't really get a, an injury update on Hakeem Adenergy, but we did get one on Khaled Kareem, and we'll go there in a minute. Oh, you got one on Adenergy. Yeah, so he's just going to keep practicing this. I don't expect him to be active Sunday. I think it's going to be much like Kareem, yeah. where they give him two full weeks, yeah, and uh, and then that third week they'll take it serious. You know, not that they're not taking it serious now, but they want him to try to get into football shape, yep. not just uh, you know and get those mental reps. But uh, yeah, you can go ahead with the the Khaled Kareem update. Well, I think we'll get back to Khalid Kareem in a second. I want to finish up on Jackson Carmen because, you know, he's been taking steps each week. He, he's been getting a little bit better. His early results weren't great. He hasn't necessarily graded very well for PFF consistently, but he's a young guy. And I think that having Quentin Spain, having, you know, Trey Hopkins, Riley Reef, and this growing bond, because Trey, uh, not Trey, uh, Quentin Spain also talked about how you know, they really didn't do the offensive line bonding stuff nope. that you mentioned before we played that quote. And them starting to do that this year, I think I retweeted a, a Bengal Sands clip of the offensive line, and I said something to the effect of, this is a team where there might actually be some chemistry brewing on this offensive line. And we haven't really seen anything, to me, that's resembled chemistry on the offensive line in years and, and the way that they're communicating, handing off blocks and, and working as a unit is taking steps to me every week and getting better. And that's what you would expect with veterans, with some good players and with a, a coach that is as respected as Frank Pollock is. So I think all of these things are coming together and we're seeing some progression on this offensive line, which is great because the Cleveland Browns and Oak or Las Vegas Raiders in, in back-to-back games with the bye week in the middle there coming up in a few weeks have two of the best pass rushing front fours in the NFL. So the Bengals have to be ready for that. Uh, speaking of pass rushing front fours, we can go to Khaled Kareem. Now, great news here. Sounds like according to Zach Taylor, he's on track to be activated this week. And you and I have talked a little bit about, potentially kicking the tires on, you know, is there an edge rusher available in the trade market? And instead, we'll at least maybe get a look at Khaled Kareem and the impact he might be able to make before the Bengals have to make a move. Yeah, it's it's great because you're right. Not only can you get him out there, 
this Sunday against the Jets and hopefully get him some defensive snaps and see if he can give you anything in that department as far as an edge rusher is concerned. But this is his third straight week of practice. So it's reasonable to expect him to, to maybe have somewhat of an impact, especially if the Bengals can get up early and you get him uh, some snaps late in the game. I don't think he's going to have a huge role, but you, you get a look at him and, and you can kind of weigh what they have in Khaled Kareem versus insert whatever edge rusher that they're discussing about potential, you know, you know, a potential deal with. Because I do think that those conversations are going to be had. I get it. The Bengals don't make a ton of deals. And at some point we'll talk, uh, you know, about the potential uh, trades they could make before uh, next Tuesday's deadline. I can't believe it's next Tuesday, by the way, November 2nd at 4 p.m. Eastern time. So it's right around the corner. But uh, the Bengals should have Khaled Kareem back. Not Akeem Adeniji, but Khaled Kareem back before that deadline. And Khaled Kareem looked like he had taken a bit of a step in the preseason. Of course, it's preseason, so not much necessarily to be gleaned there. And of course, this week it'll be against the Jets, maybe not even the Jets starters, depending on how the game goes. So, uh, you know, we'll see with Khaled Kareem, but I'm excited to see him back just because we haven't seen him yet this year. And he's a second year player, much the same that I'm excited about Hakeem Adeniji, who is also a second year player and and you can often see those second year player leaps uh more controversially james the bengals came in 10th in the locked on nfl podcast network power rankings and uh well the ravens were seventh which has upset some people uh so we'll probably talk about that travesty as many of you have called it coming up next but first, I'm going to have 41 cheeseburgers from McDonald's with 17 sides of fries. And, oh, wait, no, that was the score of last Sunday's game, Baltimore uh, losing to the Bengals, which you, you already know that. But uh, today's episode brought to you by McDonald's. They've been proudly serving communities since 1965, which uh, was long before Jake and I were born. But everybody's been to McDonald's, and they're more than just a place with great, tasty affordable food that you can get in a flash it's a place where jake and i might just might you know have a locked on meetup or maybe it's the place where quentin spain and riley reef and the rest of the bengals offensive linemen can eat every burger in the city and i would like to see that maybe that could be a, a locked on bengals special either way mcdonald's is a place that you can recharge and refuel so Make sure you head to your local McDonald's today. And as always, whether it's the burgers, the nuggets, maybe a chicken sandwich, I'm loving it. This episode is also brought to you by Rock Auto. Whether you drive James's Daewoo or my old Honda Accord or James's Toyota or maybe you're high rolling in your BMW, rockauto.com is going to have the parts you need to maintain your vehicle. If you're a do-it-yourselfer, or even if you buy parts to work on other people's cars, you're going to save time and money at rockauto.com. Don't spend 30, 50, 100% more for the same parts at the dealership at a chain store. Get the fuel pump for your Honda Odyssey for $216 from Rock Auto instead of $353 from the chain store. Rock Auto, the family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years, will have what you need so go check out their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com, see all the parts available for your car or truck, and make sure you write a locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, 
All the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. James, let's take a look at these power rankings. We have the graphic. We have the technology. Here we go. If you're looking on YouTube, you see the list of the Locked On NFL power rankings. And I'll just read the top 10, maybe top 11, 12. Cardinals at number one, Tampa Bay Buccaneers at number two, Los Angeles Rams at number three, Buffalo Bills at number four, Green Bay Packers at number five, Chicago Cowboys at six. The controversial place. No, no, of, hold on, hold on, hold on. The Chicago Cowboys. Did I say Chicago Cowboys? <laughs> Woo-wee, hold on. Hey, I got to put this graphic down because we got to get this reaction. <laughs> what? The Chicago Cowboys. Did I, did I actually say that? It's what it sounded like to me. I mean, I maybe I just heard things. No, that maybe sounds. I, I'm replaying it in my brain right now. And it, um, the Dallas Cowboys. Let's get that graphic back. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys. The Baltimore Ravens are the controversial placement here at number seven. Tennessee Titans at eight. The Los Angeles Chargers at nine. The Bengals at ten. And just to round out, Raiders, Browns, Chiefs behind the Bengals at 11 through 13. But the big reaction here is, besides me calling the Cowboys a Chicago football team, the Baltimore Ravens at seven ahead of the Cincinnati Bengals, despite the Bengals just putting a hurtin' on the Ravens, who conversely just put a hurtin' on the Chargers, who are also still ranked ahead of the Bengals. Yeah, it's it's tough. And this is... This is the weird part about power rankings and in the hard part when you're on the come up. I, I just, I'm sorry, but this is when you don't have the equity built up and they are fun. And, and uh, you know, obviously I think they're good. And Sunday's win over the Ravens, I, I think showed me something that I wasn't sure this team was capable of, to be honest. And the fact that they blew them out at the same time, the Ravens has have been consistently good. And so with the way these power rankings work, I mean, I'll, I'll throw up the, the graphic again. And if you can't see it and you're listening in, in your car, just listening to the podcast. So the Bengals moved up from 15th to 10th. So they move up five spots. It's not like they moved up a spot or two. You know, they, they made a leap for sure. They're ahead of the five and two Raiders. Uh, I get it with, with the Ravens. And maybe they should have fallen down more, right? They only dropped three spots after the loss. And it was a blowout loss. Uh, the Chargers didn't move at nine and the Titans only moved two spots. They're five and two as well from 10 to eight. So I get it. Like, I, I understand why people say, well, the Bengals just kicked the tail of the Ravens. Why would they not be ahead of them? They jumped up five spots. And I, I don't know, like I know some other rankings you, you mentioned before we started recording the athletic, their eighth, uh, the Bengals are sports illustrated their eighth. Um, I think that's fine. Like, I'm not going to argue it. I also didn't think our rankings are like this travesty either. And, you know, we're only one vote, you know, or I'm one vote, you're one vote. Right? So the whole network votes. But there's been times this year where the Bengals have been higher on locked ons power rankings than some of those other outlets. And so now it's reversed, at least for this week. If the Bengals handle business the next couple of weeks, heck, let's say the next three weeks, right? You said uh, or four technically because there's a buy in there. But if they beat the Jets, the Browns, who they're already ahead of, and then the Raiders. All right. Well, now we're talking about probably the sixth best team, and they probably do leap Baltimore. It's just well, you, you got to win a couple more games. And that's probably seen as a number of quality wins, right? Like if they beat the Packers, 
instead of losing to the Packers, for sure, and they're six and one, yep. then they're probably roughly where the Packers are. But it's also fair to say, I think, that the Locked On Network has been a little bit slow to buy the Bengals in the last few weeks because they went from 15 last week at four and two to to 10, which is a big jump. But looking at the athletic, just for a comparator, they were 11th last week and go up to eight. So it's not like they go up a ton. They're tied for 11th last week. And, and I kind of like the athletics rankings here. So I think their top six are roughly the same. The uh, Chicago Cowboys are in there, and the Arizona Cardinals are seven and zero. They're they're first, then Tampa, then the Rams, then the Bills, then the Packers, and the Cowboys. So there's your six, right? And then their order goes: Tennessee, Cincinnati, Baltimore, Chargers, Raiders. And and I think that that you could probably sell a lot of people on it, including the people listening to this podcast. I think you can maybe even make an argument to flip the Titans and the Bengals if you wanted to, but putting the Ravens behind the Bengals at nine, putting the Bengals at eight with the Chargers and Raiders right there. Like none of that is outlandish to me and, and probably is a little bit closer to what I voted, which I don't exactly remember, but I do think I had the Bengals one spot higher than the Ravens. Yeah. And that, that ranking sounds fair for sure. Now I will say this, I wouldn't have had the Bengals 11. I, and I didn't in our power rankings going into that Ravens game. Uh, I would be surprised. I, not that I didn't have them high ish, right? Like top half of the league. Did I have them 11th? No. So I see, I would have said that was high going into the Ravens game. Sure. Now, 10, 8, it, it, it's, it's almost splitting hairs because I think yeah. that there's a clear drop off. And we've had to do these rankings every week. After like 12, maybe 13 now. Yeah. Like there's, there's a drop. <laughs> and so the fact that the Bengals went from that tier where there's a drop to, to yeah. now they're in that next tier. I think that that as long as you have them in that tier, that's fair. And if you know if you want to get mad about eight or nine, that's great. Like I don't, I'm not blaming you for doing that at home. Uh, at the same time, it's about a tier thing. Look at me being the opposite of a hot take. You know, look at that. It's called maturity, Jake. It's called maturity. I'm proud of you. the The tier argument, though, the the tier idea really helps here because what we're seeing in the list and the graphic that we put up on YouTube or the list that I read, those 13 teams. That, that ends at the Chiefs is, is where that tier line is, I think, despite the Saints being four and four and two, they're at 14, is the 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 conglomerated list or whatever, the the average list of all of our votes doesn't have the tiers broken into it. So if I'm doing tiers here, I have the first six teams, Bucks, Rams, Bills, Packers, Cowboys in in a tier. Oh, and and Cardinals in a tier. And then I think like Ravens, Titans, Chargers, Bengals, Raiders, Browns, like all kind of in the same area, maybe even the Chiefs in the same area because they can't figure it out on defense and keep turning the ball over. So if you're talking tiers, if you just say, yeah, the Bengals are in the second tier right now, like they're a clear playoff contender. Nobody's going to argue with that, I don't think. I don't think a majority of Bengals fans are ready to talk Super Bowl yet. I know some of you are. And I know some of you are, are like cringing when I say that right now, but I think that right now it's fair to say, yeah, this looks like a team that should go to the playoffs and they're in position if they continue to play well and continue to grow and continue to, you know, do the things they need to do that they could get there. But 
I also think that, you know, you mentioned equity and all these things and, and the, the fact that we don't really know, we haven't seen them do it for extended periods yet. Like these are factors that, that come into power rankings like these. And I think that's probably why it falls the way it does. And yeah, you're right, James. If they win their next three games, they're definitely on the rise. For sure. They, they, they will be. And, it, you know, it starts this Sunday with the Jets. And speaking of the Jets, we are going to be getting an inside look at the New York football Jets. And Mike, take flight white. Never heard of him? Well, you'll hear about him next. But Bet Online is a one-stop shop for all things NFL. So let's say you think the Bengals and Quentin Spain are going to put up another 41 burger or 41 point steak since they go to steakhouses on the Jets on Sunday. Well, you can uh, you can bet that. And you, you can bet lines. You can bet on Joe Burrow being the comeback player of the year, maybe the most valuable player if you think he's going to continue to ascend. And Jamar Chase hands down the favorite right now to win Offensive Rookie of the Year, so you can get on that. And so much more in one spot, betonline.ag. So check out their new website right now. It's redesigned and ready for you, and you're going to save money when you sign up with promo code Locked On. You're going to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, with promo code Locked On at betonline.ag. BetOnline, where the game starts. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're now joined by John Butchko. I'm Jake Lisko. He's James Rapine. This is a Locked On crossover episode. The Jets taking on the Bengals this weekend in the Meadowlands. Do they still call it the Meadowlands, John, in New York? It is called the Meadowlands. Yes, it, yes, it is. MetLife Stadium's there. They still have the racetrack. Okay, I was just checking because I, I know there's a new stadium and I, it's been a while, I feel like, since the Bengals have played the Jets or played the Jets in a game that mattered or that I remember. It ruined my Thanksgiving two years ago because the Bengals were 0-11 and they, they beat the Jets. So that was Thanksgiving weekend two years ago. Right, Adam how could Gase, I forget? Adam Gase skipped Thanksgiving dinner for game planning and the Jets scored six points against a then winless Bengals team. The Adam Gase experience. And now not Adam Gase anymore, but... Unfortunately for Jets fans, anyway, similar results this time with the first year head coach. There was a lot of optimism around, I assume, going into the season to some degree, at least that, you know, there'd be a culture change and things would start going in the right direction. Is there the feeling that that process has started in New York? You're right. There was a lot of optimism. And part of that, I think, was losing Gase. Uh, It's been tough for the Jets. I think by any measure, it's been disappointing. I don't think anybody went into the season expecting this team to be a contender or even a playoff team. But to this point, we have not seen the progress you were hoping for yet. Now, look, Robert Sell is not going anywhere after this season. He's not going to be fired. But there is a lot of frustration in the fan base. There's especially frustration directed at the offensive coordinator, Michael LaFleur, who got the job. He was part of the 49ers coaching staff. I think he was the passing game coordinator last year. 
and the offense has not shown a lot of improvement from where it was a year ago, where it was one of the worst offenses in the NFL. You have a rookie quarterback, Zach Wilson, who, in all honesty, it's been a struggle for him more often than not. There have been some good moments, but he probably hasn't performed at the level you were hoping for at the beginning of the season. So even by the standards that that were set prior to the year, I think fans are disappointed and rightly so. And I think there is some frustration with this coaching staff right now. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about the the future. It's Sunday moving forward. Zach Wilson won't be out there. I would love to, to see him and ask you about his development, but unfortunately he's injured. So when you talk about going in the right direction and pointing the rebuild in the right direction, what are you and what are Jets fans hoping to see Sunday against the Bengals and moving forward? Well, in all honesty, and this is probably a bad answer since we're previewing Jets Bengals. I mean, I'm not very optimistic. We're going to see a whole lot because the Jets quarterback is going to be Mike White, who is frankly a guy who, if the Jets cut today, I'm not convinced would be picked up by another NFL team, even for the practice squad. And, I don't understand the way the Jets handled the backup quarterback spot in the offseason. They seem to have no urgency. And they even kind of admitted this week that they did not handle it well because they traded for Joe Flacco, who was their backup quarterback a year ago. And Flacco's not going to play in this game. He's not going to even join the the Jets until Friday. So you have Mike White. And we have not seen much of Mike White, but we've caught him some in preseason he did finish the game last weekend against new england and the results have not been very good i mean he was playing against prevent defenses most of the game still averaged less than seven yards per attempt he in preseason was a guy who seemed like he was afraid to throw the ball more than five yards down the field and the reason for that is it just doesn't look like he has an nfl caliber arm i mean there was a play last weekend where He's throwing the ball with anticipation. He's throwing the ball to from the far hash to the sideline to Elijah Moore. He's throwing he throws it about maybe a yard before Moore breaks his uh, makes his break and the ball doesn't get there on time. So he doesn't really have an NFL arm. You know, this weekend you'd like to see some young guys develop a bit. You know, if the Jets can get Elijah Moore involved in the game plan, that would be good. He was a second round pick out of Mississippi who was one of the stars of training camp, but got hurt near the end of camp and has not really produced at the level the Jets were hoping for. You have a first-round pick, Elijah Vera Tucker, at left guard, who has been one of the bright spots this season. So that's been encouraging. I think if you look at Michael Carter running back out of North Carolina, numbers don't look great. He's been okay, I think. Jets run blocking has not been that stellar. But I think the one guy I I look at is Bryce Hall, who's a second-year corner out of Virginia, fifth-round pick last year, who when into the fifth he was a prospect that was considered better than a fifth round pick but he just fell because he suffered an injury near the end of his college career and teams because of the pandemic could not get him into their facilities to take a look at him make sure his medicals checked out so the jets got him in the fifth round he's been pretty good this year but he hasn't really faced premium competition so this will be his first chance to face a guy who's an elite receiver in Jamar Chase so it will be interesting to see how Bryce Hall holds up I don't have a lot of hopes for this game. I'm not sure how much this matters in the grand scheme of things for the Jets, but that's the one matchup I'd look at if we're talking about growth is can Bryce Hall hold up against Jamar Chase? And we have seen him go against a rookie in Green Bay this year. We also saw him destroy 
Marlon Humphrey to a degree that we haven't really seen happen very often. So that will be a fun matchup indeed. And I think Brian Callahan on a podcast uh, either yesterday or today spoke glowingly, actually, as coaches do of their opponents of the Jets corners. He said, you know, they're guys that you don't know, but they're playing pretty well. And obviously, Quinn and Williams, the strength of this team. But I was going to ask you about things to be excited for. You mentioned Elijah Vera Tucker, a guy that I really liked in the pre-draft process. Uh, same can be said for Denzel Mims last year, who seems to have fallen out of the Jets' graces, good graces. And what what is there that the Jets fans are watching? Like, if you're a Jets fan watching this game, or if you're a Bengals fan who enjoys watching good football players, Quinn and Williams, Bryce Hall, what other names are, are there to watch this weekend? Well, you know, it's funny. I mentioned Michael Carter, the running back the Jets drafted out of North Carolina. The Jets actually drafted two players named Michael Carter this year. In the fifth round, they drafted Michael Carter the second. The second, and I'm trying to get the nickname the sequel to stick. I haven't been that successful so far. He stepped in at slot corner and played very well. On the other side of Bryce Hall, you have Brandon Eccles, another rookie. He was a late round pick. He has been more up and down. I mean, I think the one thing you can say for the Jets is this is the youngest team in the NFL, so. That plays into why there have been so many struggles. You don't have a ton of veteran leadership on the team. Now, you do have C.J. Mosley, who it sounds like is trending towards returning. He missed last weekend's game against New England. You have a couple guys on offense like Corey Davis, but it really is just about the young talent as much as anything, the young talent developing. It's not just about wins and losses. Now, that said, you can't say wins and losses are irrelevant because if your young talent develops, that should directly result in more wins. But... This is the type of year where it's not just about your final record. It's a year about building something. And I think to the extent Jets fans are frustrated, it's because it doesn't feel like we've made the progress. It doesn't feel like maybe Detroit is, feels right now because you, in Detroit, you have a team that's not that good, but they're playing very competitive football. And the Jets have had moments where they've been competitive. They do have a win, but there have also been a couple of games where they've looked really bad. And I think the thing that bothers Jets fans more than anything else is what happened against the Patriots last weekend where the Jets got blown out happened off their bye. It was a team that had two weeks to prepare and really did not look ready to play that game. And I think if the Jets had played better against New England, even if they had a loss, even if they came in with this same one in five record, maybe the view of the fan base would be a little different than it is right now. Last thing for me, John, and I appreciate the time, Elijah Moore. I know he got banged up. Uh, he's someone in the pre-draft process. The Bengals were certainly looking at, at wide receivers, someone I liked. Where is he? How hard is it to evaluate his performance just because of you know, the quarterback situation and the offense struggling overall? But uh, how do you feel like he's done so far? You know, it's amazing, James, because if you listen to the reports from training camp, Every single day, it was Elijah Moore is lighting it up. Every day, it was Elijah Moore is dominating. Yeah. Elijah Moore is going to make an immediate impact. And he suffered an injury near the end of camp, and he missed the full preseason. And he also missed a game this year because he was in the concussion protocol. And, you know, maybe that's impacting him, missing all that time in camp in the preseason, because it just hasn't been there yet. And I do think part of it has been the quarterback play. I mean, I look at the routes he's running when I watch the film, and He's getting pretty good releases off the line. He's getting pretty decent separation. And I think some of it's that they're maybe not featuring him enough in the offense. I think some of it's the ball's not going his way enough because of the quarterback. But 
you know, I don't think that there's any question. It's been a little disappointing relative to the expectations that were set by what he was doing early in training camp. Now, that said, last week they got him the ball in space a couple of times. He scored a touchdown on an end around, made a nice run. There was also a little play, a smoke route, where Zach Wilson saw there was a lot of cushion. He was able to break a tackle and run for a first down. So you see the, the flashes of the playmaking ability, and my hopes are still high for Elijah Moore. It just hasn't really clicked yet. And Bengals fans will certainly hope that that clicking takes some time to happen for the Jets and with Mike White leading the way. Hard to see it happening this weekend. Thanks to John Butchko for his time and telling us what's going on with the Jets. Until next time, Bengals fans, when we will preview the Bengals road trip in New York. day and have a good one. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.